I'll start again. And we're back. Live and direct. P before you go show the week of March 31st, 2021. I'm your host, Size to Five. And of course, with Jeff Carter. What's going on, yeah. Jeff? Ain't nothing, man. Just, you know, another week. You know, we had a great show last week. And here we're going to go do it again. Thanks for all the listeners for coming back. Speaking of this week's show, we have a special one. Special guest, Toronto legend, DJ Mastermind. Yo, what's going on, guys? Thank you for having me. Man, thank yes. you for being here. Well, you know, Absolutely. Mastermind, we, we we're, we're we're Hindu um, on our side of the people before you okay. go. Or at, least, or at least I am. So we, we always, you know, Thursday is the uh, the day that uh, you know you wear yellow according to the you know the, the planets, and it's it's the day of the guru. And I, okay. I'm happy I'm happy to say that you know you're definitely a guru when it comes to Toronto hip hop. And uh, oh, wow. we, pre- we appreciate that, you know, all the lessons that you've taught us, all the music that you've played for us, um, you helped create it and crafted styles. You've, you've raised artists, wh- whether you, you, you know it or not, um, just by your influence. So we definitely want to say thank you and, and it's, um, congratulations on, on, all the, on, on your career. Such a wonderful career. Yeah. Was it 33 years in hip hop? Yeah. Um, actually, 33 years on the radio. I mean, if we're talking about hip hop, I probably got into hip hop you know, three or four years before that. Um, but, th- but thank you for that. That was very kind of you. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was, you know, I got introduced to it uh, through breakdancing. I was, you know, a young kid downtown, Eaton Center, and saw some kids breaking, and it kind of it, it stuck with me. And, and then the music stuck with me, and I did everything I, did, I could to um, learn about it and discover it and just kind of fell in love with it. And, you know, you can imagine how difficult it was at, at, at you know, mid eighties, early to mid eighties, uh, trying to find that music in this city uh, as a young kid, I'm sure adults, you know, they knew, you know, or had, you know, you had connections with family in the States or whatever. Like I never had any cousins that lived in New York or anything like that. So, you know, my cousins were all here and, and thankfully they were a little older than me. And so I, I was able to um, utilize them and their connections or whatnot. But I mean, yeah. So, you know, finally, um, you know, discovering the one college radio station in like 84, 85 that was playing hip hop in the city, um, which was, um, you know, Ron Nelson's show, Fantastic Voyage on CKLN, Saturday afternoons, um, discovered that and and just kind of it, it snowballed from there in terms of, you know, becoming a, a huge fan of that show. And, um, you know, one day thinking to myself, you know, I could do that too. Um, and then a few years later, you know, an opportunity presented itself and, um, I was given a, a radio show, um, at, uh, York university's uh, station, which was CHRY 105.5. And we launched that in the, um, fall of 87 and wow. just kind of been, just kind of been doing it since then. What, what was the name of that show with CHRY? Uh, <laughs> that was the jam factor. <laughs> don't know where I did. Don't know. Don't know where I came up with the name. Actually, I don't know where I've come up with with most of the names, other than you know my actual DJ name, which was given to me by Ron. Actually, so oh, really? other than that, other than that, um, you know, names are just you know they come to you from you know a moment or a song or you know you see something somewhere and you just kind of you want it to sound hip hop and you want it to sound cool and whatever. You know what I mean? It is what it is. No, Jam Jam Factor sounds cool. That it could have been a spin-off from X-Men. Could have been like some X Factor 
You know, it's right. a jam factor. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. It, 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 it was that's my it, it jam. Was yeah, right. that's my jam, yeah. you know, that's what it was, yeah. right? Um, yeah. that's that's super cool. And uh, you know, shout out to New York University because 105.5 really I couldn't really catch it on my radio, you know, like all the time. But when you got a when a clean mix, you know, whether it's you know reggae or hip hop, you'd always hear some some um music when you, you, you know you hear anywhere else. You know, it's unfortunate that that CHRY has one of the, you know, um, lower frequencies in terms of wattage and reach, because it really has it really has been um, from day one an innovative radio station like they embraced, you know, whether or not, um, you know, half of it has to do with the program director at the time was a huge fan of of black music, but also the community that surrounds York University is the Jane and Finch corridor, right? And so that whole community um, kind of helped to, um, you know, mold and dictate what that radio station was about because it is, you know, when it started, it is a community radio station. And so you serve ultimately the community that is closest to you and then expand from there. And so I had come across an old flyer um, you know, the last year has afforded people a lot of time to just dig through shit and do things because there's nothing else to do. And I was going through some old archives and I came across um, one of the launch flyers uh, when CHRY was launched in 87. And the programming was just so, so ahead of its time. There was a, you know, a bunch of reggae shows. There was soca shows, calypso shows, you know, a house show, an R&B show. Uh, obviously, there was a hip hop show and they were all put in prime time and they were spread out throughout the day. Uh, really, really, you know, ahead of its time in terms of um, um, catering to, to what was needed in the city. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, even now in 2021, it's it's still needed. And, and um, you know, the people that run run it now, and it's 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 um, uh, shifted to. Uh, Vibe 105. Um, I mean, it's still a community station, but it's run far more like a commercial station now. But even now, it's it's still innovative, and you know, just it makes you wish that um, it was more accessible throughout the city because it is it is a great radio station. Always has been. Always has been. Yeah, no, for real. And um, I like what you said about the programming. It seems that there's a lack of consistent programming or diverse programming. And when it comes to like, I don't want to call it underground, but you know, there's rap and there's hip hop. One thing that, that boggles my mind is that <clears throat> Toronto does not have our, our own, you know, Toronto hip hop XM radio satellite radio station, unless we do. Mm. I, I don't, I, I don't subscribe no, to it. It, it. In terms of XM, like satellite radio, no, we don't have it. I mean, we, we have, we have, um, you know, we have Flow 93.5, which has been around for uh, yep. 20, 20, some odd, 20 some odd years. And then you have G987, which has been around for probably six or seven or maybe a bit more. I'm not 100% sure. And, and that's pretty much the gist of it, right? Uh, aside from, aside from um, CHRY or Vibe 105. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, you got to remember with SiriusXM, you know, in their defense, I guess. Um, now in 2021, sure, they should have one. But let's just talk about, you know, Prior to that, in their defense, nobody is subscribing to SiriusXM because of any of their Canadian channels. You know what I mean? Like the CRTC has mandated that they have to have a certain amount of Canadian channels in order to operate in this country. And they have, you know, my understanding is they have some pretty strict rules 
uh, as to how they are allowed to program those radio stations. Um, but yeah, nobody is, you know, you're, you're talking about the sports channels, you're talking about Howard Stern, and you're probably talking about, you know, Shade 45, Hip Hop Nation, and now Drake's channel, which just launched in the last couple of weeks. Those are the things that are going to make um, people subscribe, right? That come out of pocket. Because when you got to pay for something, those are the things. Um, but yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. In, in 2021, when you have, you know, I saw a stat um, the other day about the top nine um, biggest artists on the planet. And, you know, number two and number three were both Drake and The Weeknd. And I think Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber was in there at number seven or whatever. So three of the top nine worldwide, you know, biggest artists are from Toronto or the GTA. And so you would think that, um, you know, now would be a pretty good time to help embrace it. And, and, you know, we have a bunch of other artists. They're not obviously not on the same level as Drake or The Weeknd, but there's they've got their fan bases out here. And so you would think that, um, you know, that that eventually I can I can see that that's eventually going to come you know like yeah. Sirius XM is eventually going to do something I I imagine and you know I used to I used to be in a band from like 2002 to 2007 and uh, we were like Led Zeppelin Wu Tang you know it was a live band with two lead MCs right okay like, so, like run, so run you were like so you, with the live band you were like the Roots you were like the Roots it's like the Roots but we were more like Black Sabbath. I think I'm, and I'm just, oh, wow. I'm just, I'm just dropping names that I've heard people who, you know, old white dudes who would come see our show at, at, at Healy's and they'd be like, yo, you guys sound like Black Sabbath. And I don't even know okay. who Black Sabbath was, but I think, um, I think, I think Black Sabbath was the group that Ozzy Osbourne was in before he went yeah. solo, I think. Right, right. But uh, what, I'm, what I'm getting to is that there was a, a huge band scene, a huge uh, punk scene and metal scene. Um, okay. we, we were like a hip hop band, but we would play all the punk shows. And we did over a hundred shows on Queen Street. Um, wow. But it, wow. it's just a testament to like, you gotta think about Avril Lavigne and the, the thousands of artists that are in the province of Ontario, right? So right. Let's, not, let's not forget about the markets like Thunder Bay and yeah. maybe Kingston or, or whatever okay. the case is. So I think if Ontario had a station to reflect and to have a Ontario collective of musicians, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure an associated association exists, but I would I would assume that you know the groundwork could be done there. But then again, I'm I'm still a guy who thinks that we we should at least have a hip hop oldies radio station on AM. Like that's just right. no reason why I can't hear Protect well, Your Neck on AM well, let's, 950. Well, let's not let's not <laughs> let's not let's diss ourselves and put ourselves on a weak <laughs> AM signal. But I will say that the you know the CBC which has, you know, been long known for not really playing any black music. They had, you know, beginning of February, they launched The Block, which is a, a nightly program uh, hosted by Angeline Tetaweo, uh, who I worked with for um, more than a more than a decade, um, you know, in Calgary and here in Toronto. And um, and so they have a, a two-hour block on a nightly on a nightly program. Uh, I think it's from seven to nine, and it's across the entire country. So when you talk about Kingston and you talk about um, you know other parts of the country, they um, they're playing it. And when I say it is a, a two-hour block of black music, we're not talking about you know hip hop and R and B only. Like they're playing everything, like uh, and not just current stuff. So they're you know giving history lessons. So the other day. Um, you know, I saw them something, somebody tweeted about playing, 
um, Living Color. I don't know if you don't remember a band yeah, called course, Living yeah. Color, right? Yeah, so they're yeah, like yeah. they're they're like a, a major black rock band from the early '90s or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, th- so they play uh, a, an across the board eclectic range of uh, of black music, and and so again, it's taken a long time, and it, as frustrating as it's been in this country to not see. Um, the culture and the music celebrated the way it should be. Um, you know, I'd rather better late than never, right? And so, you know, when you have these, um, you know, these um, shows or these these little pockets of things, it's very similar to like, you know, in the '90s when Rap City was like the only thing on TV that was supporting what we were doing, and you know, and then Much Vibe came along, and so like we take a lot of that stuff for granted, and maybe we don't in the moment appreciate it and then you look back in hindsight like man i can't believe we actually had that right so um you know so again when you think about the vibe 105s when you think about the flows and the g's and, and obviously now the block and you know if if a day comes where you know sirius xm launches one like those are the things that we need to you know again it's been taking a long time but they should all be celebrated you know what i mean so um just to, just to say to you that, you know, and I brought up the block because you had mentioned that there, you know, you feel like there's pockets of in just Ontario alone that don't have any place to go to be heard or to, or to listen. There actually is now, right? Because, I mean, you, again, you, you, you get the CBC everywhere across this country. And so, um, you know, that, that's a great thing. So whether you're a musician and you want to get played, I mean, obviously submitting your music to the block is a great way, or if you're just somebody who's a fan of the music and you want to hear stuff like that, well, now you have those options. That's great, man. It's, it's refreshing to hear these things, and I'm glad you put in that perspective, because I'm, I'm forever, you know, the old man who, who yells at the cloud. Shout out to Abraham Simpson, but um, it seems <laughs> that with technology now is that it's bringing the world a little bit closer, but hip-hop culture should be celebrated. There should be a hip-hop culture section in the Toronto Star. Um, just like, you know, it's, it's an actual way of life now because it covers yeah. fashion entertainment and music um and politics right yeah uh, but you know, you know we're still we're still dealing with a systemic racist culture or um um system right like yeah, there's so a yeah, s- yeah. systemic systemic racism still exists and so you know the unfortunate thing is um as much as things are changing there's still a lot of the gatekeepers who don't want to, I guess, let change. go of let go of whatever it is and and and, and help push change, um, because I have tons of friends who um, um, work in the in the music industry and have worked in the music industry for decades, and I sit back and I'm like, yo, this guy should be a vice president by now, or even the president by now, or definitely a lot higher than whatever role they have, and yet they're still kind of not getting promoted to these positions of of making change. And so, you know, once the gatekeepers are, you know, changed and, and uh, some of the systemic racism is broken down, um, which again is very, you know, it's very disheartening, you know, that it still exists in 2021, but it does. And you know, as much as people want to say that Canada is not the same as the United States, as far as racism and all that, that's, that's a bunch of bullshit. That's not real. I've lived here my whole life and uh, as a young kid I probably experienced racism you know at, at an early age of like four or five and how about in the uh, how about in the music when you were trying to get certain gigs or certain jobs did you 
ever feel there was a disadvantage? Um, back then, no, I don't think I ever, um, was, um, Facebook. you know, you gotta, you, yeah, but you gotta remember, like it was, I was in a weird space, right? Because when I started doing it, I was a Brown kid trying to come up in, in a black space. Right. And, and again, as much as all my, you know, the people that I grew up with, all my friends and all that, they were all like me or black or whatever. Um, so I, I don't really, and, and I was, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I was passionate and I was, I, I was good at what I did. So, um, it, it, it allowed me to get doors open, um, without a lot of, uh, pushback. Now in, in, as an adult, I'm hearing that back then there were, you know, there's obviously some people that wouldn't have liked the idea of me, you know, it, it, coming into those spaces or whatever. But back then it wasn't, it wasn't really said that way. Now, if you talk about me getting opportunities, um, that might've gone to other people, I can't really talk about that. Again, I, I always look back and, and felt that, um, I put a lot of hard work into, into being the best that I could be. And so if I, if I was given any opportunities in terms of, you know, getting a job or a radio show or whatever the case may be, it was because of, it was because of my work ethic or my talent or whatever. It wasn't because, Oh, he's not a black guy or whatever. Like the, the irony is, you know, before the internet, you know, unless people met you in person, no one really knew what you looked like. And, you know, the majority of people thought I was either a white guy or a black guy. No one ever considered me to be a South Asian kid. Right. And, you know, I probably sounded more white than anything. Um, but yeah, like when people would meet me, be like, Oh my God, I, I didn't know this, that you were Brown. I didn't know that you were Indian or whatever. you like, that was a lot of that. Right. So, um, uh, you know, it's, but in terms of, you know, just going back to the, the systemic racism in this country, it's, it's a hundred percent still existing in, in 2021. And it's a part of the industry because again, you think about two of the biggest artists on the planet, you know, are black and from this city um, and probably didn't get a lot of support on their way up to where they're, you know, to their up their ascension into superstardom from their home country. Um, it makes you understand how much they don't care about giving back. Like not everybody knows the behind the scenes stuff with, you know, with Drake or the weekend or whatever, but they don't, they don't really, you know, from what I understand and from the things that I've seen, they don't fucking fuck with a lot of the Canadian music industry because of the bullshit that has gone on, you know, with, within their careers. And it's, and I, and I, I completely, I completely support that because it's like nobody in this country had anything to do with either of their successes. Their successes were all self-made, you know, hard work with them and their teams getting recognized um, in the U S and then, and then finally, and around the world. And then finally the, you know, the stations here had to start playing them. Like when I was in Calgary and it was probably, you know, the last couple of years of my time there, um, this is when Drake just started to, to get going. His mixtapes were coming out and I was, you know, because I was a music director at my radio station, I was getting, uh, I was getting word about him from, you know, from people here in Toronto and uh, I tried bringing that stuff to my radio station and, you know, our bosses, my, the people that were higher than me, my PD and my APD, they were like, nah, blah, blah, blah. you know, they don't, they don't, you know, if it's a black, they don't want to take a chance. They'll play the most garbage, you know, 
pop rock and, and country shit on the channels out here. But the stuff that, you know, like, I mean, it, it, it's not hard to understand that hip hop is the biggest genre on the planet. Yet, yet we only have one commercially owned radio station for the entire country. Right. Then you have a community radio station, which is Vibe 105. And then you have a two hour block, you know, uh, nightly on the CBC. Are you kidding me? Like, it's just, again, it's, 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 it's super ridiculous, but it is what it is. And it is where we are. And you can't, I can't make people, you know, companies spend money and do the things that you think in your heart should be done. But I guess if, if people don't think that a black music radio station is going to be successful in Winnipeg, then, you know, it is what it is, right. You can't force people. Like you got to remember like, like these stations, these stations would rather have a top 40 station and play like the five biggest black songs than have to pay an entire, you know, 24 hour radio station to play black music all the time. Right. And, and the thing is, there's artists across the entire country who are heavily influenced by the culture and it creates musicians, it creates art. Like if you're playing music, you're, you're actually an art installation because there's so much um, byproducts that come from just one song. And one thing I appreciated about, about the Mastermind show, and my favorite show was, was the one you had on uh, Energy 108, uh, the Monday okay. night. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, Monday and Tuesday nights. Yeah, Monday Tuesday nights. It was you and uh, hey, a shout out to Russell, man. How's 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 Mr. Russell Peters doing these days? Yeah, is he all right? Ru- Ru- Russell's doing really well, guys. He's a very That's successful good. comedian, and uh, yeah. you know he he's living a good life, man. He's doing well. Yeah, and, and it's just like it's it's funny you say like you were the music director, and then you still have you still like in the um, in the breakdown you had so you have a music director and then a program director and then an APD. All- what is that? So the assistant program. So I've been all of those things, obviously, um, uh, throughout my career. And, you know, the last 18 years of my radio career was all in programming. So whether it was um, as a PD or an APD uh, or a music director, that's all I was doing. Plus being an on-air host. Um, Does that so yeah, mean- so Does that mean that, you, that you're the one picking the music or like how, how does the music selection work? It depends on what radio station you are, but usually it's a collective. So you have yourself, your program director, uh, maybe one other person um, that you bring in because you want to have a good amount of um, brains in in the meetings, right? Because you want to dissect all the music. And there's a lot of research that goes with it. So, um, you know, you're watching charts, you're watching, you know, now you're watching streaming charts and you're, you're, keeping an ear to the street. And if you had, you know, a black music radio station, you have mix show DJs that are at the time would be in the clubs and stuff. So you'd want to hear from them what songs are popping, you know, what's, what's really making the, 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 the clubs knock. And then you kind of, you bring those records in the music meetings, you all listen to them and you, um, you kind of pick what you think is, is the best for the radio station. Right. And then once you've added, once you've added records into rotation, those records after a certain amount of spins, um, they go into weekly research. And so those, te- those songs are then tested by your audience. You know, a certain mm. amount of people in your audience listen to those records every week and give you feedback. And based on that feedback, it determines, uh, you know, what records get played the most, what records need to move. Maybe they've been pl- overplayed, so you got to, you know, slow them down or what records just aren't working. Like people hate those records. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and there's a bunch of, you know, um, criteria that goes into it with regards to how you compile your audience panel, like, you know, they have to listen to you 
uh, your radio station for a certain amount of time a week. They got to, you know, um, fit in the certain demographics that you feel is your, you know, for a top, you know, for a hip hop station, for a younger based hip hop station, you know, the key demographic is going to be 18 to 34. And then the wider one would be like, um, you know, 25 to 44, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, male, female, obviously. And then in Toronto, which is so ethnically diverse, you want to make sure you have a great representation of the, of the city you know, whether it be black, white, South Asian, other, you know what I mean? So you want to have a good, a good, like the way we kind of looked at it is like, if you, if you took a look at the crowd at a Raptors game, like that's arguably what would, you know, yeah. be an audience for a hip hop radio station. Interesting. You know, I mean, you, you <laughs> would, you would, you would think, here. you would think, right? Well, there you go. Look at that. The phone Perfect. There. Right. There you go. That's that's the audience. But, you know, all those people are all going to be different. Right. Like yeah. just because just because I'm a brown guy that's into hip hop doesn't mean that every brown guy is into hip hop. There's, a, you know, brown guys out here that are probably into techno or, you know, they're into, you know, just top 40 music or, or whatever the case may be, you know. Um, and so you want to just you want to just. Sorry, go ahead. Put this off. Yeah. yeah, no, I was just saying. So you just want to kind of get as best a representation of your radio station and your audience so that when you use that research, you're, you're, you're getting it as close to perfect as possible. Right. So when people say why, you know, when you listen to any radio station, whether it's a top 40 station, a rock station or whatever, when you listen to it and you hear a record getting played more than other records, it is arguably because that record has done extremely well in that station's research. Right. And so the audience, the audience is saying, yeah, we want to hear this record the most right now. When I turn the radio on, that's the record that I want to hear. I want to hear yeah, and so, yeah. so, you know, in, in the U.S., when you break it down, um, you know, on a top 40 station in a bigger market like L.A. or New York, they're probably going to play their heaviest records, uh, you know, every 44 minutes, right? Literally. So if a record plays at 3 o'clock, you're going to hear that exact same record at 345. Um, and whereas in, in Canada, I would probably say it's probably like an hour and 10 minutes, give or take, you know what I mean? So if a record plays at three, you're not going to hear it again until after four ten. you know what I mean? Or four fifteen or whatever. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that maybe not so much now because people are, you know, I mean, during COVID, a lot of people have been at home and, and doing stuff at home, but for the most part, the way people listen to the radio is anywhere between seven to 12 minutes at a time. You jump in the car, you do your commute, you listen or whatever. Um, and a lot of people punch around like, you know, I try to, when I was in radio and artists would, you know, argue about, you know, getting in rotation or whatever. And I'm like, you know, when you think about streaming and they would talk about, Oh, streaming this and streaming that. And I'm like, well, when you think about a streaming app, let's just use Spotify as an example, when, when you're listening to a playlist and let's say a song you don't like comes on, you don't shut down Spotify and open up title. You just press, you just press skip, right? You skip to the next record or whatever. Whereas on radio, if a song comes on, you don't like, you change the channel. And as soon as you change the channel, I've now lost audience, right? I've lost my listener. And so you have to, it's very scientific, the records that get played because you're not trying to have people change a channel. You want them to listen as long as possible. And so you know, the records have to be right. What's in between the records in terms of the jock talking has to be right. You know, the contests you play to try to keep, you know, the intrigue level there in between the records, those have to be right. 
Um, so there's a lot that goes into it and stuff. It's so funny, you know, Jeb, like last week we had the Supreme Cerebral and now this week we had the Mastermind. And let's just, just listen to <laughs> listen to the, to the data that we're receiving. You won't get this anywhere else, you know. It's I guess we got to get, show. I get, yeah, we got to get God on the next week's episode. Let's hope that's <laughs> the only next step. Um, well, quick, quick question, like Mastermind, do you remember um, there was a board game called Mastermind? Like that's where I thought yeah. you got your name from. So it was actually, it actually, well, I mean, I guess arguably it's a board game, but it's not really a board game. It was a... Uh, so it was a game. I actually have a mini mastermind. Somebody bought it for me once, like years ago. Yeah, and I, yeah. I used to keep it, I would keep it in my office. But it had something, it had something to do with guessing the pattern of the color of the pens yeah. or something or other, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, it was like, yeah, exactly. Um, and so yeah, so between between that that game, you know, mastermind toys, the store, and most recently, I would probably say in the last four to five years, there's a um, a trivia game in the UK called Mastermind. And it's very, very popular in the UK. It's like really? their version of who wants to be a millionaire or something like that. It's, oh, that's uh, cool. it's a, it's a pretty massive, you know, brain testing, a lot of celebrities and whatnot. And a lot of people on Twitter confuse my handle with their handle. Um, <laughs> well, maybe there's an like, opportunity right there. Maybe, maybe, you, you know, you got a pocket, you got a pocket to bring the Canadian mastermind game show. Boom. Right. There you go. So <laughs> if they ever want to expand, if they want to expand and start one here, well then, yeah, we can make that happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but if I, but if I ever do, ironically, if I ever do eventually get back to the UK, I'm going to go by their show for sure. Just, just for shits and giggles. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. So mastermind, like we appreciate this, this, this radio knowledge. I mean, cause I don't think a lot of folks really understand, you know, how records yeah. get played or why records get played. And it, that's, that's right. a really good overview. Um, but we know you're a man of, of Toronto, you know, you're, you're, and, and it shows on, on your, on your Twitter. What, what's your, uh, your Twitter handle? Is it at DJ mastermind? No, my Twitter is mastermind. My Instagram is mastermind live. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, and you're, and, and you're a huge Toronto sports fan. And, and I know you're a Raptor fan because I, I hear the passion in your, in, in your, in, in your messaging on social every time. Right. So <laughs> after, after this, uh, this last week, you know, um, and we'll do a little Raptor report right now. This is the segment we like to do on, on the Pete Before You Go show. Um, how, how do you feel about this team right now, where they are and, and the moves or, or lack thereof? Um, I kind of, I kind of, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was hard to watch Norm go, but we understand why that happened because, um, you know, he's going to be a, a free agent, um, in June and his, you know, what he can ask for might not necessarily be what um, the raps can afford. Right. And so him going to him going to Portland is great because now two, you know, twofold, he's finally going to get a lot of eyes that weren't on him because, you know, let's keep it real. These American people hate watching Raptors games. They don't Jeez. like us. You know what I mean? And so he's finally going to go play on a team, you know, with Dame and, and, and CJ and a bunch of other good you know players and he's going to shine over there. I mean, his first game was yesterday and, you know, he started with like 22 points and a whole bunch of stuff and Whoa, he's getting, nice. he's, he, he's getting interviewed over there as if he's like a superstar that no one's ever heard of any, you know what I mean? And it, it, you know, we've been with Norm since day one. So, and we know what his, you know, how good he is. And so, um, you know, that was a little hard to, to swallow him bouncing or whatever, but, um, you know, we still need a good center. We don't have a, a, a proper center on this team, which is hurting us tremendously. Our bench was kind of, our bench was kind of um, struggling for a while. 
but I think that, you know, a few of the moves that they made, um, you know, I think they traded a couple of players for some second round picks um, for next year. And, you know, who knows what they're going to do during the, uh, the buyout market. I think they're talking about, there's a couple of players that are going to be on the buyout market or something like that. And, and they might, you know, try to acquire somebody. Um, but you know, it, it, it's not necessarily a rebuild, but they're definitely looking to build around, you know, that core of Fred, um, Pascal, um, you know, OG and, and even Boucher, I guess, or whatnot. So, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Lowry? You know, I don't think he's going to end up staying here um, when he becomes a free agent. Um, but um, that's that's Kyle Dowry, man. The Dowry is too high for someone to take Kyle Kyle away because I don't. I think that's why we didn't move Kyle. And you know, right? I mean, who knows? Norm, the real, the, yeah. Who knows the reality? But you know, the stuff that I I've seen or heard, a lot of it has to do with. Um, a lot of it has to do with that. Yeah, they, people didn't match what, yeah. you know, what Masai and the in the group thought he was worth, and so they just hold on to him, right? Yeah, and and you know, he he publicly said that, hey, you know, I'm going to retire after whether it's a, a one day contract or not. So yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, Lamarcus Aldridge is, is out there. I would like to see the Raptors maybe sign him. Like they they should have drafted him. We drafted Andreas Bargnani before we drafted Aldridge. We should give Aldridge a chance now. Um, yeah, they, they definitely made some mistakes back in the day. But, you know, the interesting thing is everything that I've seen about Aldridge is that, you know, the Raptors aren't on his wish list. Like, he's narrowed oh. it down to about five or six teams, none of which is Toronto from the stuff that I saw. So, who knows what, yeah, you know, what I, that I, I met a girl who used to date him back in the day. Maybe that's why. I think he <laughs> <laughs> some, uh, some bad memories here. Um, right. but, and what about those Leafs, man? I, I, haven't, I haven't kept up on them, but are, are we still kicking ass or what? Um, you know, we went through a period of, of a few losses. Um, Against Winnipeg, right? Is it, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was Winnipeg. But it, it um, you know, first of all, I think they're still in first place in whatever their division is. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're actually a fun team to watch. Like when they're playing well, they're really, really playing well. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of got hampered with a few injuries and whatnot, but, that you know, that's not to say that all teams don't deal with that or whatever. But, again, they had a great start to the season. You know, um, they did, they won their last game uh, in overtime, and we'll see. I guess I guess they're going to be playing again tonight. We'll see how they go again. And then right. – um, but, you know, they, they, they obviously have rebuilt, and it's, it's around a, a younger team and a bunch of players that have all played together – uh, consistently for, um, you know, a few years now, they've added a couple of uh, veteran players, obviously, you know, Joe Thornton is on the team or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, they brought Wayne Simmons in and he's been a, a great addition. And so they're a fun team to watch for me, right? Like there's, there was a period of time where it's like, you, you know, no, you got to remember like the Brantonians, the Leafs have been, you know, a, a love hate relationship, but they're more love than anything. Cause even during their, their terrible times, people still, Stay loyal really? and still watch, and, yeah. and and you know, at the end of the day, sure you want to win the cup and all that stuff, but it, you so you also just want to have fun, be entertained for three hours and watch a good hockey game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, um, and and, and right now it, it, it they're they've been playing the best they have in a, in a long time. You know what I mean? So, um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, no, at least looking good. And I don't know if you follow those Blue Jays, but it, it's an exciting time to be a Toronto uh, sports fan because we have 
three kind of exciting teams um, who, you know, the, the fan base is bought into. But yeah, uh, you know, hmm. baseball has become a lot boring for me to watch. Like I, I oh, when yeah, I was a kid, it's always been unless you drink it. <laughs> when I was a kid, I literally went to games, watched them religiously. Obviously, you know, the the, the two back to back years we won. Like it was, oh, nice. it was huge. But then I just, you know, when when you know basketball finally came here and 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 that kind of took over. Um, it's just, you know, you watch certain games and it's just, it's a little slow to watch and sometimes it can be boring. But when you get to the playoffs, I'll pay, I'll pay a lot more attention. I, yeah. you know, if it's on, if it's on TV, I'll, I'll scan on it here and there, but I, I can't sit and watch an entire game of baseball anymore. It's just, it's too boring. Yeah. It, 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 and you know what, um, brings me to the next cool, cool topic. Um, alternative broadcasting, I think is, is, is going to be a hot button topic over the next, for, or for the foreseeable future, uh, we had that all all female um, broadcasting um, broadcast yeah. crew for the game yep. against uh, Denver, and it was refreshing. It was so refreshing, yeah. you just, super like, refreshing, super refreshing. And the next yeah. game, I kind of missed it because I heard the usual guys, and you know, like I'm not a fan of 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 the of the old white guys who are just talking <laughs> about basketball, and I'll, and I'll say it, right. like. You know, Leo Rounds and Matt Devlin. First of all, I want to hear Torontonians commentate at least the, you know, Toronto games because you understand, like Fergie Oliver, shout out to Fergie Oliver. I think he passed away, but, you know, you hear a different passion. I don't want to see, hear Jamie Campbell talk about the Blue Jays because you look like Opie. I don't like you. You talk too much shit. Ken Reed, I don't like you. You don't, you don't speak to me. And it, it has to go to the systemic thing. Like, I get it, but... Mm. Um, there's a new generation, like the baby boomers. Thank you for your service, but there yeah. has to be some sort of passing of the guard to to Generation X, which should is the majority, you know, voters out there. You know, ownership out two, there. two things can happen whenever you, um, you know, you have like uh, a, a replacement, so to speak. Like, I mean, I, when I was a kid on the come up, and I was, you know, I was working at these radio stations, and I was only doing like the hip hop show at the time. And then I slowly started, you know, they realized that I was better than just doing that. And I could actually do, you know, regular jock ships or whatever. I used to, I was like this little cocky kid. And I would be like, don't call in sick. Don't take vacation. Because if they give me your time slot, I'm taking it. From you. Like that's <laughs> oh, I, I would, oh, no way. I, nice. No, but I, I would go in with the mindset of, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm auditioning every time I do a new slot or whatever, I'm auditioning for that, that position and I want it. You know what I mean? And so when I, you know, when you think about they, they you know, kudos to the Raptors and TSN for facilitating this all women's broadcast, you know, it could go two ways. You have a bunch of, um, you know, less open-minded misogynist type of people who, you know, they don't like, um, you know, women, telling them about sports and they don't like, you know, like the amount of hate that these channels would get in comments or, or feedback when you had like two Brown guys, you know, anchoring a, a TV show or one of their sports casts and, you know, it, the systemic racism just jumps out. It's like, these guys can't, they're so scared of change and, and, and feeling like, you know, two things, they don't ever want to be treated the way that they've treated people, right? They know how they treated people. And so they yeah, don't want to ever be treated that way. Mm -hmm. And then the, and the other side of it is um, they don't ever want to feel insignificant. 
And you, you know, the people that really pushed for white supremacy and white power, it, it has absolutely everything to do with losing the power, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that's something that they never want to do. And so if you equate that same um, concept to, you know, any place, like any type of business, but especially in the media, because just the other day I saw something like, you know, the, the view, um, or no, sorry, the talk. The talk was going through some stuff with Sharon Osbourne because she backed up Piers Morgan's, you know, racist and misogyny that he's been going on. And she's like, he's a friend of mine and I, I believe in you and blah, blah, blah. And then really? all these stories and then all these stories came out of that show about the, the things that um, Sharon Osbourne has said or done that, you know, are extremely offensive or racist. And so there was a big controversy. And then I read today or yesterday that she's left the show. She's not on the show anymore. Then oh, you talk, nice. right. And then you talk about The View, and that's the show with, um, you know, with Whoopi Goldberg mm. and a bunch of other people. They have, they have a they have a, a, a white woman on that show named Megan McCain, and she is the mouthpiece for, um, you know, I guess the right, the U.S. right or whatever you want to say, you know, however they describe themselves. And she had a comment the other day talking about, I've only had one, we've only had one Asian American co-host on the view and so what are we supposed to just because we're going into this you know stop asian hate thing we're supposed to take away a job from somebody more qualified um just to give it to you know to have another some more diversity on the show mm. and it's like well why does diversity mean um less capable or less talented right, or right. not as good but not even but no but you have to make a space right like so if there's only if there's only five people on the thing but you know, one thing that has, has um, and it's still like to even today, if I'm watching TV today, I, I pay attention to it. But, you know, with all the, the bullshit that's gone on with social injustice over the last year that has come to highlight all the, um, you know, pent up emotion and all the stuff with George Floyd and everything. And then finally, um, these corporations realized, oh, we got to add more diversity to, you know, how we how we advertise. So just let's just take commercials by itself. Mm. I can now watch four or five commercials in a row and finally feel like I'm watching a true representation of the city that I live in Absolutely. versus versus decades and decades of only advertising with white people. Right. And it's like, it's like, so we try and tell me like the man don't go to Swiss chalet. We don't, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't wash with, we don't wash our clothes with, with Tide, with, with tide? or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we, we don't, we don't do all the things that all these other people do. Like, like make it, make it make sense. Why do I got to only see one type of advertising? And it's, it's, it, it's saddening that, you know, it took um, all that social unrest and uh, injustice um, to make these people understand that they should have been doing this decades ago. But it's nice to see that they're finally doing it. Like I actually watch these commercials and I'm like, you know, sometimes I look and I'm like, oh, you really tried to find the most ambiguous person you could. Like <laughs> exactly. you, can, you can tell, mm -hmm. you can tell that they have, you know, something mixed in them, but you wanted them to not look as obvious. So you went with that look or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people that are like, no, we're going to, we're going to take this right, right in the head. And it's going to be a representation of, uh, of what this city is. And this, See, what, know, I don't, this what I don't understand is if you want to, I, I, I get what you're saying, you know, going back to what you're saying, people do fear losing power or feeling powerless. But one of the most yeah. powerful moves you could do 
is handing the power off to another. You know what I mean? And that's sh- and and that's sh- like yeah, but, a powerful thing to do is to empower others, right? And I don't know why yeah, people are they, afraid they, of they, doing they, that. <laughs> Come on, you don't know why white people who who prop up white supremacy are afraid to do it. It goes back to the first thing I said. Yeah. They don't ever want to be treated the way the they way they yeah you're right people. you're right you're right right if like again. You think back to some of the things that we've seen over the years, and there was that one woman, and I don't know if you guys saw it, but she gave a very impassioned speech after who knows who was murdered by a cop or whatever. And the one thing that, you know, and she's not the first person to say it, but when she said it, it went viral. And she said, you know, white people need to be happy or grateful that black people are only looking for equality and not revenge. And it's like, it's, 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 it's such it's such a profound statement. It's like, look, at just treat us the way you want to be treated and everything is good, right? But think about all the stuff that, that Black people arguably um, have gripes about over the, the years of mistreatment and shit mm-hmm. in the U.S., right? Even yesterday or two days ago in Georgia, you know, the, the senators there um, passed a law, signed it into law to make... Um, to take away voting rights for obviously uh, make it very difficult for people of color to vote in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they behind well, closed doors and with, with the behind, sheriff behind, guarding behind the door. closed doors with a with a group of seven you know old white men and anytime and a, and a black congresswoman knocks on the door to at least observe and they arrest her. That's crazy. right. And, and and they and this is a congresswoman. They arrest her, and they had handcuffs. They arrested her um, in a more aggressive way than than any of the people at um, the Capitol Six riots uh, insurrection oh, were, were treated. Right, mm-hmm. and so it's like I didn't I didn't even see a pair of handcuffs on January sixth. And this woman, who is actually part of Congress in Georgia, knocks on the door. And four or five policemen drape her up, put her in cuffs, and start, you know, traipsing her through the through the the, the building to wherever they were going to take her. Whatever, absolutely. Because they're all because America right. is sick. And, bro. And it's sick. They're sick. It it, it 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 has a sickness. Canada has a sickness. And until until and, and like you said, yeah, until until the people who are in power. Um, and that are not afraid of transitioning that power until they're the ones who make the change. Um, it's it's um, it's never going to happen. So let's let's look at the, the types of governments that exist. So in in Ontario, right in Ontario, we have uh, we're we're now governed by the PC party, right? right? If you look at if you look at the PC party and and ask yourself. You know, if you look at the, 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 I forget what they call it, the premier. If you look at the premier's cabinet, it's all white people. Yeah. Um, I would probably say ninety-five percent male. Yep. Right. So there's there's no diversity and definitely Zero. not a lot of um, gender equality. Right. Yep. And 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 you know, um, you know, anybody who's a conservative doesn't say nothing about that. But then you got a guy like Trudeau who they love to talk about the time he dressed up for Halloween. Um, and don't get me wrong. He was a fucking idiot for doing it. Yeah, that's pretty dope. (laughs) Right. But I don't believe... If if your dad was a prime minister, arguably one of the most gangster prime ministers there were in the history of prime ministry. But still, Trudeau was a little sweeter man and he he looked like he would do these things just to get some clout. I don't know why. I'm not not defending. And also also a dummy, but I don't honestly believe 
that in his heart of hearts, and I don't know the guy, this is just me speculating. Mm-hmm. Right. There, I don't believe that this guy thinks, you know, he's a proud boy and shit. And then the truth be like, when you think about his cabinet, you got a bunch of black people, you got Muslim people, you got Sikhs yeah. in there. You got a, like half the cabinet is female. Mm. And so you talk about a guy who's in a position of power, making the actual change. Yep. Right. And to me, that says more than his dumb mistake of dressing up in, you know, and don't, don't get me brown wrong. Brown face. He did brown he, face. Yeah. But don't get me I wrong. I mean, shit. He Frank, Frank Interior was be, doing a brown voice. He could be doing a lot more, but he's also done a lot, right? He's also done a lot. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, if, if, if Canada wants to surprise me, make Jagmeet prime minister. I'll be that, very impressed that if that happens. And, and I would be very impressed. And he, he's, fighting mean, could, he's fighting listen, for it. He's fighting for it. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe when they made him the leader of the party that I, like, I didn't cry, but I was close to crying. Wow. That, that, blew, that blew my mind. Right. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I um, mean, what, it's 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 not the same thing. But think about it, like when Barack became president, it 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 felt like that for young brown kids. Like I can't think about the the young brown kids who who wear turbans and stuff, and now they're like, "Holy smokes, this guy's the leader of a of one of the major um, political yeah, parties in Canada." Yeah, yeah come on, man. That's that's crazy. That is. Yeah, I don't think it was Ooh. Illinois because Illinois is a state. Um, yeah, so maybe I I did hear about it, and it's wild. It's like they're giving they're giving out twenty five thousand dollars per family. Yeah, per family. Um, and, and and see, and that's another thing, right? So another thing in the states that they were fucking bent about, and it's like the Ooh. the stimulus package that they that Biden and and, and then passed. There's something in there that directs a huge amount of money to um, people of color farmers in the right. states, and all the white farmers are bent. Meanwhile, when Trump was in power, he gave all those farmers a shit ton of money, and I don't know how he divvied it up, whether it was broken down by, you know, ethnicity or whatever the case may be. But it's like they're like, we get all this, you know, we get all these handouts, but the minute you start giving it to somebody else, that's when it's a problem. Right. So they love they love uh, what do they call it over there? Um, um, social, social socialism. They love it when, mm. you know, companies get fucking buyouts. And, and yeah. So it's like they'll vote. They will vote against their own interests as long as if they believe that it's going to hurt black, indigenous and people Jeez. of color, not thinking that it's going to hurt them. And then when it hurts them, they're like, I can't believe I voted for this guy. Well, yeah, you can, because. You didn't think they were going to fuck with you. You thought they were only going to fuck with people that weren't white. And unfortunately, it, in, in a lot of those places, it's not just white power, but it's the money power, right? So yeah. if, you don't, if you ain't got the money aspect of it, then you're just a, as bummy as everybody else. And I think with the whole reparations thing, um, a, a lot of pushback that the idea of reparations, probably many uh, pushbacks that the idea of reparations has is that certain groups of people or white people, if you will, or just people who weren't involved in that, they didn't want to give up their money to go towards reparations. So you had to find a solution to that. And I think some of the money is coming from the tax of the marijuana trade that they're then going to use, which is is a great solution because it's not coming out of 
another citizen's pocket. It's coming out. Right, of, right. You know what I mean? So right. And and so and so they argue. So the argument also is that you know in the U.S. disproportionately black and other um, people of color are the ones that have suffered the most because of marijuana in terms yeah. of incarceration time, and all yeah, that yeah. other and right and yeah. so they're using the legality of this you know once illegal drug that is now available and it is making billions of dollars yeah. they're using that money to again in a small way because unless you you know free it i'm kind of torn with the whole argument about freeing people like what if you commit a crime you know it was a crime at that time ago, yeah it was a crime right but again it's minor so unless you murdered something like if you sold yeah. marijuana okay it's time to let them out i think you it was mur- killing you murdered people Kill- oh yeah. yeah go ahead go ahead if you murder people no, yeah, saying, you're in there you're in there right if you murder people you're in there if you only sold weed or whatever then you definitely most definitely need to come out you know I what i mean killer mike was trying to uh bring forth an idea that uh if you did have a minor marijuana crime that you could be let out or exonerated of it and then the process of you getting a license to sell it legally might be a little easier for you or you were just awarded the license because if you were you know mm-hmm. a minority affected by you know right what I mean? so but see again that'll they're, yeah there's just brainstormings of, of possible solutions but that that one city again that we i gotta double check where it was you know that's a that's a great solution that they're using the tax from a certain business right. or a certain trade or certain industry to to fund these reparations versus just taking a tax from everybody right so you know. but remember if you're only giving money to a certain people oh everybody people else is gonna be like what the hell and and to me it's like well you've had it for centuries mm-hmm. in your own favor. Like if you think about the way, like it's obviously we have to use the U S as the biggest example, yeah. but if you think about, you know, the way redlining worked in communities and the housing world and all that, and how, um, you know, they did everything in their power to make sure that, you know, black people didn't have any advantages. And that we're talking about for, you know, decades, right? Decades. And all of a sudden, the, the tables turn. They're like, oh, no, 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 we can't. No, we can't do this. It's like, well, why? Like, y'all had, you, you think about, you know, all the professions where racists have infiltrated. So whether it be doctors or lawyers or, um, you know, principals of schools or law enforcement, um, you know, every level of law enforcement, whether it be judges to um, prosecutors all the way down to just the cop know, on the street not even just the cop but someone lesser than that the guy giving out mm. tickets you know parking tickets or whatever yeah. like all these different um um levels professions that have had um you know be in, be infiltrated by racists <laughs> and white supremacists that have all um did you know everything in their power to make sure i read an article today that made me sick to my stomach where a couple of cops um, I forget what city was in, but they, they berated a five-year-old boy, a black boy, because he was crying at school or something. They put a handcuff on him. They were cussing him about talking about, they would beat him. And imagine the trauma. You're a five-year-old. Like, I remember the first time someone called me a packy, and it was probably around that age, four or five. I remember that. I can't imagine if, if that same person not only did that, but then fucking beat the shit out of me or something. Right. Like you would never you would never lose that trauma ever in your life. This kid. And again, a kid 
the way they treat kids of color in the states is just disgusting. Like they the body slam was, girls. Was picking a tulip and got put in handcuffs or something like that. Not even that, but they, they put him, like, he's gone to trial. Like, he has to go yeah. to trial for it or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think, they, I think they dismissed it early, but the trauma of coming from being such a kid and being put in handcuffs, like, you can't repair that damage. No, you can't. And, like, you know, my my, my, my daughter oh, had an incident, a, very, a very similar incident when she was um, uh, in her early teens. And it had, she was picking, flower, uh, picking leaves off of a tree and um and a cop came over and grabbed her super aggressively and no i way. the only reason the only reason i'm not dead is because i didn't jump the fence um, where we were and i was also at a work function and so i screamed at the cop and make a long story short yeah. she hates cops she doesn't trust cops she doesn't like cops and we, you know, we had to go through this, this uh, um, mediation process because I, I brought up complaints and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like, she, the guy tried to make it sound like she was fucking breaking windows and, or throwing bricks at cars. She was literally, we were waiting outside and she was, I put her in a space that would protect her from where we were. And she was just a 12 or 13 year old kid waiting, looking around, pulling leaves off of a tree. And he never right. And the thing is, he never he never gave her a warning that she ignored her name. Like, dude, just was sitting there stewing, looking at a brown girl doing whatever she was doing, and decided he needed to put his hands on her. And whatever happened like, to I'm, hey, stop doing that, or hey, or, maybe, or, or like yeah. hey, hey, let's hey, relax, hey, yeah, leave leave the tree alone, or yeah. whatever the case may be. Like I can't, like they, or just let her pick the leaves. Dude, Police like, officers it, need it, to be community leaders. They like they should listen, be part even, of the, the job even, description. Even even telling you this story now, when I'm talking, it's it's been fucking like eight years. I fucking I'm still vexed, guy. Like Yo, I'm still vexed. I mean, fuck. It's 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 um the best way I can equate it. Like you know, I'm I'm kind of techie IT guy. Um, so you know when 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 you want to if an enterprise wants to adopt a new software. There's an adoption rate. So, okay. you know, inclusive, like inclusion right now is this new software that is being installed around the world. And there's okay. a lot of folks who want to stick with their legacy ways right. and not right. move into a modernization of, of right. the world or as to right. where we're at. Because, yeah. you know, people of all races, all castes and creed. And I, I'm, I'm super pissed that it always comes down to race. Because I believe mm-hmm. that it's really a high class versus low class thing. And there's folks in the high class. It don't matter if you're low, what color you are, if you're low class. The color you want to be is green. You want to have money. And um, well, that, that, But that also leads you to when you see, you know, people like Candace Owens or any of these other well, um, you uh, know, people of color take up for the white supremacists, you know, it has nothing to do with anything other than lining their pockets with money, right? Yeah. Because yeah, there's nothing... There's nothing advantageous about there's nothing advantageous about the the people like being the 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 mouthpiece for the people that hate you right mm-hmm. so um, they they have a word know, for I, those I, guys it it says house uh, it's the house person right you know? but that but that's but that's everything though right so you think about you know how white supremacy the the whole construct of white supremacy has made it so that every other race and culture. Um, hates 
hates everybody else, right? But more, mm. but most, mostly they all hate black people the most. So Asian people are supposed to hate black people. Indian and South Asian people are supposed to hate black yep, people. Yep, um, yep. You know, Arabs are supposed to hate black people. Obviously, white people are supposed to hate black people. And so, and so, That's so crazy. As, 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 as long as that construct exists, white people are always going to be at the top because if tomorrow Thanos snapped his fingers and every black person on the planet disappeared, who's the next uh, bottom, bottom of the totem pole, right? <laughs> Arabs or South Asians or whatever, you know, whoever or they Asians. want to that, hate that, More so it's Asians right now. Who knows, right? It, it's like, you remember when before, before Corona happened, you know, the, the villain in the States were Mexicans. Mexicans were the rapists right, and the right, gang right, members right. and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, Corona hit and then Trump had his new punching bag, which was, um, you know, Asians. Mm -hmm. And, you know, prior to that, it was, you know, 9-11. So it was all Arabs and Muslims and Saudis and all that shit. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's it's just, listen, you know, in my my humble opinion, white supremacy is the most worst disease that has ever existed in the history of the world. Well, how, how do you how do you cure that disease? How do you eradicate it? I I don't know what to tell you, B. I think like, I think it just takes time. It takes it's like this this <laughs> these, these millennials. I don't think these millennials buy into that bullshit. They're yeah, more governed kids, by social. These, and, but a lot of these kids do the same dumb shit, right? So you would think yeah. that you could sit back and say there are some that are trying to affect change, right? There's a, there's some people who are. Um, yeah, there are a lot of young white people, or a lot of people in the white uh, pod- that are that are that are being worse. allies and, yeah. and and change and you know disagreeing with their parents and trying to yeah. change them and all I'm that. Just saying, yeah. but, the, but but again, the majority of them are not trying to let go of their privileged and their self perceived and out of and, the fear and, of being cut off from their parents too. I guess I don't know. But not even I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking mm. about in the world. Oh like, yes, you know, yes, when, yes. If you if you if, if you go again, there's so many um, examples. There's there's one woman. And I know her name and it's escaping me right now, but she's a huge uh, advocate against racism and she's done schools and courses and stuff. And there's one video where she has a, a classroom full of white kids and she asks them, which one of you would trade places right now with a black person and become that black person? And none of them put their hands up and she tells them straight up, it's because you know how we treat them. And that's why you would, that's why you never want to be that. Be way. that, yeah. <laughs> or be that, right? And so- um, that's the pri- that's the privilege they don't want to get. Like when I watch these videos um, on social media of these fucking people, um, you know, going into establishments with their cameras rolling and their masks off and trying to be fucking, you know, these so-called you know justice warriors about you know fighting these people who are just trying to do their jobs and they understand. Mm-hmm. Like, look at whether or not you it. believe. Whether or not you believe in, in the coronavirus or not or whatever, wearing a mask for 20 minutes to buy your fucking groceries isn't going to do not the worst thing, yeah. But, but the privilege that oozes out of these fucking people that think that they can fucking... Um, do whatever, do whatever they want. Cough, yeah. on, their own cough on people, make their own rules. They don't have Justice. to abide by shit. And you know, there's that one goofball. I don't just even because know it's a small but... inconvenience in their life. They have to. They no, have they just don't like. They, they're, they're so but used to people not telling them what to do. All exactly. the that, yeah. and then once we say, they, "Hey, you gotta just wear a mask." Been, no, I don't want to wear they've, a mask. They've never had oppression ever. Yeah. They've never been <laughs> oppressed by up. anything in their lives. The guy. So, <clears throat> the last video I saw. It's like lactose. It's like being lactose intolerant. 
Patriot can't handle. The system can't handle that cheese mask right now. These guys, listen, this guy went into a fucking no frills somewhere in Bush, caused a ruckus with him and four of his friends. I think the, they assaulted the manager. So the manager called the cops. And the next thing I see is this, this guy is in handcuffs. He's trying to tell the, the cops telling him to get in the car. Okay. Get in the car. He's saying, I made a citizen's arrest. Go arrest this manager guy now. The cop's like, no. The cop says, no, get in the car. Now, two things that I took away from this video is the amount of patience and tolerance that they, they, they let the cop, the cop just let this guy talk to them for more than five minutes without listening. Now, I, I picture what they do to five-year-olds and 10-year-old black kids and how they body slam them and shit. If it was anybody but a white guy, they would have fucking clubbed him up and threw him in the car like after 30 seconds, right? But this guy sat there and once they decided, once they finally had the end of their rope with this guy, the cops grab him and start to shove him in the car and all him and all his people start screaming police brutality. But here's the thing. There was nothing brutal happening. This was a bunch of guys. There was two cops just putting this guy in the back of the squad car, whatever it was. I don't think they understand what fucking police brutality actually is. The fact that, you know, they're not shot. They're not tased. They're not fucking beat to, a, a, you know, a, an inch of their lives. Like these people, the, the fucking privilege is so disgusting. And I, I get furious watching these people because, again, if I was one of those anti-maskers or whatever, like, I wouldn't be, I have enough, um, you know, humanity in me to be like, okay, if, if I got to go buy groceries, I'm going to just fucking put this mask and go buy my groceries and get the fuck out of there. Right. Like I'm, I'm not trying to live. I'm not trying to live in the fucking store and walk around. And, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't like wearing a mask. It makes me sweaty. It fucking, you know, makes me cough under the mask. So I go mm. in, I do all my shit. And as soon as I'm fucking near my car, I take the mask up and I'm about my business. All right. Yeah, man. But easy. These people, these, the, the privilege, the privilege is so fucking disgusting. It's so disgusting. And, and the thing is, like, I was at a gas station the other day, and I do my best to kind of lead by example. If I'm standing in line at a gas station and I pay at the register, I don't turn back around to the people waiting in line behind me. I walk, I take the long way around, right, just so right, that people can right. see that, okay, this is, the, this, is, this is the way you should exit the store. Yeah. Right? This is, this yeah, is yeah. The, you know, common courtesy and etiquette. But this guy comes in with no mask. He says, oh, I have asthma. Uh, doctor says I can't wear a mask. Uh, can I get uh, three packs of cigarettes, please? <laughs> Yo, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, and the thing is, but see, all the, all that, all that, all that doctor says this bullshit. No, that's none of that shit exists. And it's like, if you, there should be <clears throat> these motherfuckers need to put their money together, go buy a fucking Costco somewhere. And they can have their anti-mask Costco where nobody has to yes. wear a mask in that place. Do you, do you think that's the way go. we're going? You think that's the way we're going? You're going to go to Costco and then you want to go cop? Yeah. I don't know. And I don't really give a fuck, right? Like I'm, I'm hoping yeah. eventually we get past this having to wear a mask thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I hope that we do. The one thing I can tell you is, you know, I, ironically, I, uh, I haven't been sick since January of 2020. Nice. So, you know, whether it's wearing a mask or, you know, washing my hands way more frequently than I ever used to staying away from people or, or a little, a little bit staying more. away from people, whether all of that has played a factor into it. Like the fact that I haven't been sick is just shows me that, okay, at least this is, 
you know, a better scenario or whatever. Like, you know, if you ever, if you ever don't take public transit anywhere and then all of a sudden you have to take public transit for a, an excessive amount of time, that's when you start getting sick again, right? Like I remember when I moved back from Calgary, you know, my family was still in Calgary, so I had to leave uh, my car there. So when I got back, I was using public transit. I barely used to get sick, right? You right, know, between, right. between how I took care of myself or whatever. The minute you start taking the bus and the subway and you're around all those people and you're touching the, you're the touching handrails rails and shit, and yeah. I was getting sick all the time. And it just yeah. makes you, okay, well, it's because you're around people and you're touching the ducky shit. Not everybody is, not everybody, mm -hmm. A, you know, similar to what you were talking about <clears throat> with the gas station. Not everybody has brought up C and they don't have manners and shit. So the same, you know, not everybody has, um, you know, the same hygiene, you know, methods and shit. So everybody's different, but it's, I, I can't answer, you know, in my opinion, where we're going. I just know that it's disgusting watching these people do what they do. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Especially like, even if you're at a grocery, I don't understand why people want to come right beside you. And I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's, I've been trained now where I, I need two or three meters. Like I need two or three meters. I need like a bubble. Um, right. And people don't respect your own bubble. And it's just, it's a thing that would get me more pissed if someone is not, who's just not wearing a mask. Like I was in the LCBO, there was a lady there wearing a healthcare shirt, not wearing a mask and coughing. And I'm like, yo, right. you're wearing a healthcare shirt in the LCBO. Right. And it, that just right. reeks of your fucking privilege. Like you don't fucking have no no mindfulness i think that's what's really lacking nowadays is a couple of things active listening critical thinking and mindfulness i think if human right. beings start listening more um thinking a little bit more and, and uh, empathy you have, to, you have yeah. to be able to empathize with other people right so yeah. you know there's a woman who you know she coughed in the states she she again did the whole white privilege bullshit karen shit she intentionally coughed on a cancer patient um right why, she, why do people even think they need to cough on they're coughing on people because they had at, they had at any given time but see listen before covid i i liked space i didn't like people all up on me in yeah, the yeah. in the grocery store in line or whatever like yo you know yeah even before covid if you had the audacity <laughs> to come sneeze or cough or spit on me it's it's instant dubs it's an instant fight minimum yeah, yeah. but but to do it during a pandemic it's like man gets shot from this yeah you... that's so anyway this woman did this shit and i just read the article today that you know she was charged and she pled guilty because um the judge was like the judge told her at the pre-trial he's like yeah i'm ready to go proceed with a jury and whatnot so we're going forward and so at that time she just pleaded guilty i don't know what her charge or what her um her, we got um, dropped for all we know no but I'm, I'm i'm i don't know what her conviction will be like i don't know if they're just going to give her a fine or if they're going to put her in jail or whatever but at the end of the day these these idiots um just they, again they they let their privilege get get ahead of them and like i i'm glad that i have not been in one of these circumstances where some guy decides to start you know, doing his anti-mask shit or whatever when I'm around because, like, I, I'm not with that. Like, don't come near me. Don't fucking disrupt my, my fucking feng shui and stuff. Like, if you want to be a fucking dick, be a dick around your people. Like, the people that don't want to wear masks and stuff, go do it yeah, around there. Go around there with your, with your emphysema ass. And, and, yeah. it, and the thing is, it's like, you're, 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 you're holding up the process. 
you know, citizens are just trying to abide and follow the guidelines, at least at the minimum of what's necessary so we can get back to some sort of normalcy. But, but you know, this, this, is, this is great chat and, you know, last time we appreciate this. I know we're, we're, we're a little bit over our time. How are you doing on time right now? Uh, we can wrap it up in about five. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, what's next for you, buddy? What, what do you what do you what do you got on uh, on your radar? And actually, before I ask that, yeah, did you write rhymes back in the day? Like, how come you went to DJ? And you, I mean, you started out dancing. I'm pretty sure you, you had some graffiti. In I did, I did, I did all of it. I did the break dance and I did the graffiti. I was definitely a rapper. Yes, I did write rhymes. Are there uh, are there some then, master are, are there some lost some archives masterminds? And are there mastermind beats? Were you producing it all? I actually do. I was a producer as well. So when I decided to stop rapping, I went into the production. So there's a, there's a bunch of mastermind production out there for sure. Nice. Somebody oh. sent somebody sent me. Uh, there's a kid out in, in Toronto, a DJ DJ Law, who has one of the most extensive archives of um, Canadian hip hop nostalgia, whether it's you know videotapes or audio oh, tapes wow. or whatever. And I think he sent me once. Um, audio of me rapping on one of my radio shows i probably oh. was on ck probably on ckln and um, we got to ask him to be on the show <laughs> yeah no definitely dude he, he, he'd have a lot of stories for you nice um but i don't know if there's actually i don't think i have any actual audio of me rapping i'm not 100 percent sure like i mean i got so many tapes in the basement there might be one or two nice. but nothing that i can think of off the top of my head but in terms of me being the producer of records, yeah, I got a bunch of that shit. Oh, so, I would I would love to hear some of those beats, man. I might have to get back in the booth. So say. after okay. rapping, after yeah. rapping, producing, and dancing, like what was the moment where you decided, you know what, I'm gonna take this DJ thing seriously? Was it after like the first time you got a check from DJing? Uh, somebody <laughs> said you mixed really well. Um, well, no, I, when I was actually doing that, that radio show at CHRY, I did, I, I wasn't a proper DJ. Like I could spin records obviously, but I couldn't mix. I never knew right. how to mix. I could cut, I had a little turntable at home and I learned to cut and scratch using the volume knob, but I, I never was, um, two turntables and a mixer DJ yet. Ah, and okay. so, um, it was probably about two years into doing that show when, um, you know, I, Finally, I think I finally saved up enough money to buy some turntables and the equipment. Well, well, and, a Gemini and a realistic, or what was it? No, it was it was it was twelve hundreds. I bought twelves, um, yes. but it probably it probably was a realistic mixer. I, I right. can't remember, but that that makes sense. Um, and uh, and then I just you know I had someone taught me how to blend or, and and you know the cutting and the scratching I already knew how to do. I just had to figure it out on two turntables or whatever. Um, and so I really, really focused on the DJing side when I was doing my radio show and when I decided to stop rapping and, and be the producer and the DJ of the group I was in or whatever, like that's kind of where it all, you know what I mean? Where it all started. So you were learning new things every step of the way, it looks like. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you learn how radio works, you, you know, obviously the DJing part. And I even had to learn, I had to learn how to DJ in a, in a, in a party or in a club, like, there, there's a there's a definite art form to DJing a party, right? And so, um, you know, the first time I DJed somewhere, and you know, you 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 study the guys before you, the people that are that had been doing it before you, and you figure out, okay, this is how you do it, and then you put your own spin to it or your own, 
your own vibe or whatever the case may be. Mm. But there's always, like I've always said that, you know, the minute, the minute you stop being a student, um, you know, you get, like I've never stopped being a student. Even with all the decades of me being on the radio, mm. um, I was always listening to other radio shows or other radio DJs and listening to what nice. they did and, and figuring out, oh, oh, they did it that way? Okay, though, let me see if I can incorporate whatever they do into what I do. You know what I mean? Mm. So you never, like, you know, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. Right up. Never stop being well, a student. Well, I love well, that. I love that. Yeah. I think I think we can close on hip hop will be fifty eight years old in November. Oh wow. Um, so did you say did you say did you say fifty eight, five eight? Yeah, five eight. That's crazy. And that, crazy. that all stems from the uh from the Bronx um I think it was with the, the house party. Um right. Yeah, yeah. So with, with cool cool her. Cool her. So so November is unofficially hip hop month or whatever. So um, P before you go show is actually get a hope to to put on an event or try to I like I we're definitely gonna dedicate the show to hip hop that month, but it would be cool to maybe reconnect with you uh, before before hip hop month. Um, because hey, you, you played such an integral part in hip hop here in Toronto and we have to thank you once again. And um we hope you hope your next move might be back on radio or or maybe uh politics, man, because I think you Oh, you, you definitely still have that passion, yeah. man. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I don't know how many white people would vote for me, but yeah, I would do that. <laughs> we'll just get the brown vote, man. We'll hook up with Jajit, man. You know, we'll, <laughs> get right, some, right. we'll get NDP radio on Global Mail News on an AM station. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? All right. But, all uh, right. but, but much love, sir. And I know, uh, I know. Please don't be a stranger. We'll, we'll we'll look to have you back. You know, anytime you're free, just to just to chime in on on what we're talking about. Because today we did Toronto right. talk. We did tree talk. We did race wars. We did the rapture report. So we, we, got, we got a full show today. You know what I mean? No doubt. Listen, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. It was fun, great, man. Thanks. Again, have, man. have a great one, man. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, P before you right. go, show. All right. Peace.